Tonight on Creative Zombie Network, Cult Cinema Cavalcade welcomes Russell McGee from Big Finish Productions and WTIU in a discussion of the rare wolf <laughs> tale, Legend of the Werewolf. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. This story was handed down from generation to generation, told and retold, until it became legend. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 116. This is Brandon. And as always with me is the guy who'd rather get shot by a silver bullet than chug a silver bullet, Cullen. Wake up, you old bitch. (laughs) Today we're here to discuss the 1975 film Legend of... Of the werewolf, Cullen, bark at the moon. A baby is brought up by wolves after they kill his parents. (laughs) (laughs) That's how the movie starts. (laughs) That's how the movie opens. All right. As a lad, he is taken in by a second-rate traveling show. But one night when his when he is older, he kills one of the troop and runs away to Paris. Here he gets a job in a rundown zoo and falls for a girl who works in the local brothel. He, I gotta tell you, this is a hell of a synopsis. <laughs> it reads very he, well. It's remarkable. He resents her clients and whenever the moon is full, gets extremely unpleasant about it. He resents her clients? I don't approve of them. These gentlemen callers think you know. Mm -mm. Legend of the Werewolf is directed by Freddie Francis and stars Peter Cushing, Ron Moody, Hugh Griffith, and Lynn Dalby. And without further ado, we are honored to welcome back to the show from Big Finish and WTIU, the incomparable Russell McGee. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, gents. Welcome, Russell. <laughs> it, it has been way too long. I'm like, we're getting you back on, like, stat. But now you know that coming back quickly to Cult Cinema Capital K means almost two years. Wow. <laughs> Though your, ep- and- your episode dropped in, like, 2018. Uh, it was, like, the first one in 2018, but we, like, recorded it really early, I remember. Like, we did episode mm-hmm. after, so it's for recording purposes. Well, it's been. I actually look back at the email, and I remember that I was joking with you because it was December 13th, and I was asking you if you did that intentionally because of the whole Jody Whitaker mm-hmm. 13th thing. <laughs> oh, man. That was a while ago. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was new news. It was new news. Yeah, I ended the episode with Capaldi's farewell. I remember that. I had the the the, t- the little thing at the end. Yeah. And Rachel said it made her cry again. And I said, well, and then later, uh, you know what? When uh, we did Oscar with her, I'm like, you know what? You deserved it. You deserved it. <laughs> I, I only regret we didn't make you cry more. Yes. So, Russell, Russell how you been? How have I been? Uh, very, very busy. In fact, I'm taking time out right now from audio editing to be here with you guys. So what have you been working on lately? Working on the third set of Gallifrey Time War. So I'm back in the throes of war with Doctor Who and the Gallifreyans. Well, more specifically, Romana and Narvin. Ah, Lala Ward? Yep, 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 yep. Actually, I don't know if you guys have heard, she, I think... This set, and then one more, and then she is moving. So I don't know how often we're going to be able to have her back after that. Yeah, I know they did. They've done all the like interviews they need from her for the remaining Blu-ray sets. Uh, so I imagine her big finish stuff she's recorded. Yep. Well yep. Advanced. We we already recorded the next set after this. So yes. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. Crazy. Crazy. And also, I want to I want to point out like last year you did that, uh, or was it? Was it last year or earlier this year? The Frankenstein, your Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uh, audio drama. Yep, magnificent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank. And Colin even came out and auditioned. I yeah. did. I did not make. I did not pass. But <laughs> that's totally fine. Uh, is there anywhere you can find the Franken? Uh, your Frankenstein production. Right now, it's uh, available online through the Here Now Festival website. 
And it's funny you bring that up. We actually were just nominated for a bunch of different awards with the Audioverse Awards. So we'll see how we do there. But we ended up getting the Bronze Festival favorite at the Here Now Festival earlier this summer. Excellent. And much deserved. Awesome. I Hearing that thing, it, that's it's so good, Russell. And I'm not just kissing kissing your ass here, but like so good. You listen and you're like, okay, I just want to quit everything. <laughs> like I just, I was like, oh my god! Or I like, I need to get to work because it is. I mean, it it captures you right from the beginning. I was like, this is amazing. Like it's it's so good, it's upsetting. Like you listen to it, and you're like, oh, go to hell! Why is that so good? <laughs> I'm pushing right his next hell. guest appearance more off even more now. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, bravo on that and. Thanks, man. I hope it continues to get exposure, awards, everything else, and look forward to like more, uh, you know, original f- content from you as well as the big finish stuff, which I've started dabbling in a little bit here and there. Yeah. As far as listening, to big finish. Yes, listening to big finish. Cool. I, cool. I, what have you listened to? Just I've, curious. I've listened to a, uh, I've listened to a sixth Doctor story, a fifth Doctor story, and an eighth. I, I had a vacation with a, a drive involved, so I went to like I went to the library and had got what what they had it's some of the best times to do that every year uh, at christmas when we go out east we actually listen to the paul mcgann chimes of midnight because it's kind of a holiday tradition but mm. it's also a pretty stand-up story it's uh written by robert Cheerman. check it out that's considered one of his best right because i was looking for that one but my library didn't have it i had one where he was actually to tie it in your frankenstein I had one where his companion was married Shelly and there was a Cyberman. It was uh, Silver Turk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that one's really good. And uh, actually, did you guys hear they may be doing something with uh, Mary Shelley and Jody Whittaker? No. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're gonna do with that, especially after what Big Finish did with the Eighth Doctor. So we'll see what comes of that. They have acknowledged Big Finish before, so. And if it's the eighth doctor, you might as well. Like there's, yeah, there's nothing to contradict anything really. Not a whole lot. Excellent. And so you brought this movie to us, Legend of the Werewolf from 1975. What was your reasoning for bringing it to the show? Like, what? Why did you want to share this with uh, the world and our two listeners? What gives you the audacity to bring this to our doorstep? How dare you? (laughs) Well, as Brandon knows, I actually gave him three different choices and I knew that he was a big hammer fan. I don't know if you are Colin, but knowing that I was like, well, I'll slip this third choice in because it's got Freddie Francis and Peter Cushing, which also then Brandon pointed out. This is the second time I'm doing a Peter Cushing movie with you guys. (laughs) I absolutely meant to say like, you don't have to like, he doesn't have to be in everything you watch with us. (laughs) It's you. You don't have to be the Peter Cushing guy if that's what you want. That's fine, but you don't have to be that guy. Next time we're doing the Hound of Baskerville, yeah. <laughs> but that means Russell's got dibs on Star Wars, right? If we ever do yeah, Star right? Wars, <laughs> just the. But he only has two Star Wars that he can use that we can do. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Guys, I could come back for Empire. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, guys. Last time I checked, he was inside that Death Star when it went blue. Kaboom. Kaboom. Guess we can talk about the episodes of Rebels I think he was in. That seems yep. right. Uh, he made an appearance in Clone Wars. Oh, wait, we get Revenge of the Sith. Oh, no, that's a that's a stand-in. So if we want to count stand-ins for Peter Cushing. To get back to what you asked, though, yes. not only because of the Hammer connection, but I'm also a huge uh, werewolf fan, and so as far as the sub-genre in horror, that is just something that's always fascinated me, and uh, this is a little-known film, so I thought you guys would enjoy it, and there's obviously also a lot to poke fun at, so. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it, I think this is the first werewolf movie we've had, yep. isn't it, Brandon? Well, I don't think we've like, done any the... other wolf movies. I think we had one... <laughs> One uh, requested to us recently, mm-hmm. so I uh, hope they enjoy this. Because you're not getting another uh, werewolf for a while. Oh. <laughs> I, I think really just the the overall quality of werewolf films has prevented it from being on our show. I guess yeah. that's probably there's why, so many right? Good, there's a lot of good werewolf movies that are, that are the ones I'd want to talk about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, this was this was a good pick here because you know yeah it does have the Hammer connection. Freddie Francis, who also directed a lot of Amicus, which was kind of like Hammer but not Hammer. They used a lot of the same like Peter Cushing's in a bunch of Amicus productions as Christopher Lee, and uh, he also I mean he also shot three David Lynch movies. Freddie Francis, he was a cinematographer as well. I did not know that, including the Straight Story, <laughs> Elephant Man, and uh, he did Dune too. So. He's Elephant a, Man, one of my favorite films, dude. And he did uh, Scorsese's Cape Fear. He did Glory. I mean, he's yeah, he's, he's a cinematographer. He's got he's got some chops. And uh, there's another film of his I like. It's not Hammer, it's not Amicus, but in the '80s, did you ever see The Doctor and the Devils with Timothy Dalton, Patrick Stewart? I have seen that. Yes, I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a nice little lost one. Uh, no, and there's that's the whole thing with Burke and Hare as far as like all those different variations of that story that's been told. Mm-hmm. Is this Hammer or Amicus? It's I don't neither. remember seeing ha- it's neither. It's, okay, that's why I felt like. Well, then this this technically, Brandon, you brought up Amicus. This is like this is the third tier like production company under the Hammer, and then Amicus, and then Tyburn, right? Right, yeah, and then I mean, there's AIP going around too, but they don't, they don't use as many of the same players that are here. That's Corman and Vincent Price and stuff, but it's around the same time. But yeah, there's this like third tier one, and I mean, this movie feel like has Hammer feel, Amicus feel, like mm-hmm. it's got that British production sheen. It feels like actually, kind of like what Freddie Francis did with Curse of Frankenstein mm-hmm. or Horror of Dracula where it's smaller sets and, you know, a lot more intimate. But, again, the story is a little out there, as we've already poked fun of. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We could see Peter Cushing going on another adventure uh, uh, to help werewolf people. Which I wondered at one point, I was like, is he going to show up in this? Or is is he just, like, a narrator with, like, a scene later? (laughs) <laughs> right I thought he's gonna be like Cameron Mitchell and just like be in a scene where he's just sitting and yelling at people and then that's <laughs> it in the grim forests it was not unusual to be attacked by wolves and for the wife to die in childbirth was commonplace what makes this story unique is that this particular child instead of being torn to pieces by the wolf pack that killed his father was accepted by them warmed by the females, even protected by the males. Why this should have been, we can only hazard a guess. Perhaps it was the time, midnight on the eve of Christmas, when, traditionally, the wild beast is said to guard the cradle of a newborn child. So this film, it opens. We get a prologue about a couple on the run in Russia on Christmas Eve. They have a baby in the woods that gets eaten by wolves, but uh, then we're told via this Peter Cushing narration that the the wolves raise the baby. And uh, the credits then start beginning with the red wolf vision uh, that we won't see again until we've completely forgotten about it later in the movie. But every time that we're in wolf vision, oh, it's red. It's red as hell. Oh, yeah. and. It's so red, it's almost like they just like, all right, let's just make sure we paint the lens red. Should we use a gel? No, put paint on the lens. Yeah. I want people to be barely able to see what's going on. See, when I started this crest, I was like, this they're going to abuse this. And then it doesn't show up till towards the end of the movie. <laughs> I guess you were seeing red. Oh... <laughs> Uh, I I under I understand that uh, Predator took a real. It's really tipping its cap to this movie in that <laughs> huge inspiration for Predator, <laughs> Legend of the Werewolf. After the credits, a traveling trio of circus people who are led by a guy who looks like the inspiration for Sven Gulli. Oh quite yeah. honest. And they're traveling through the woods. They come across the baby. Well, he's now a young boy eating freshly killed animals. And they name him, take him in, and make him, like, part of their act. And, uh, like, hey, look at this boy in a cage. Woo. <laughs> his name is, is it, oh, gosh, I wrote it down. Now I can't remember how to pronounce it. Is it Etoile? Et- sure. Etoile. Uh, I don't care. Uh, wolf Boy. Wolf That's boy. what I wrote right. down. Etoile. I call him, throughout the entire movie, Wolf Boy. <laughs> Funny thing, he had, like, a loincloth there, even though he'd been 
living with wolves. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when he came running across the screen, I was like, wait a minute. Is this the jungle book, but with werewolves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we never see those wolves again. Like, he doesn't say bye to the Like, I thought, <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting here, but I thought we'd get a nice farewell from them at some point, but. I assume he ate them. Yeah. They go to the circus. He's kind of like a failing act, and he ends up, we see he grows up into a man, and one night he transforms into a wolf, and he kills a guy and flees. And Fingoolie's sad. <laughs> well, we take it like it was him, I guess, because we don't, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, do we see anything of the werewolf at this point or not? No, we don't. We don't really see, like, for some reason, it's one of those movies like, we know what it is, we know what it is, but this movie wants to keep it a mystery as long as it can. It's up to the point where I thought, maybe there's another werewolf and they're going to surprise us. Spoilers, I'm wrong, but <laughs> I thought that was a possibility. I'm like, why are they taking so long when it's clearly obvious, but I thought there might have been another this, person in play. This whole time, there was another werewolf framing the original werewolf. That's something. <laughs> and really, the, the werewolf makeup is pretty good for the time. Oh, it's not bad. When, you, when we see it, yes, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they go with the, the white, uh, just like kind of like Hammer did, the white fur, which I read that the guy who wrote this actually wrote the Hammer Curse of the Werewolf, but wrote this under a different pseudonym. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, so he's he's done both, which that movie, and I mean, isn't that one just? And this, and it's funny that the lead actor in this is kind of Oliver Reed like. Yeah, because Oliver Reed he also, you know, he's in a bunch of Hammer movies, but he plays the werewolf in the one. And that movie is just like I think most of that movie is a werewolf sitting in like a cage most of the time, <laughs> isn't it? So like, Swamp Thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's even a whole like what the backstory as far as in the castle and everything with that one with the cruel monarch and right yeah and the beggar comes and that he gets thrown in the dungeon and that's how that all starts yeah i remember that's that's one i'm not really big on um well and that's the only that's the only uh werewolf film that hammer did yeah hmm and i agree with you i'm not a huge fan of it either even though it's got oliver reed and you'd think hey this is gonna be good Mm mm-hmm so it sounds like the reason why this werewolf is a werewolf is a little bit better than that movie. I mean, although it doesn't make sense why he's a werewolf. I mean, it's like, all right, well, wolves killed his parents. Like, did they, wolves, like, what did they do? Huh? Why is he a werewolf? Well, the one thing, and it's like, if you blink, you miss it, that they did actually say early on is that he was born on Christmas Day or Eve or whatever. And that's like if you go back to werewolf lore, that actually is one of the ways that someone could become a werewolf. And I know that's like completely obscure, guys. But yes, I told you. Hold up. Hold up. You're saying Cullen's a werewolf? <laughs> well, that's bad. Bad news for you, Brandon. You're living with a werewolf. Oh. <laughs> hey, maybe it's like uh, Michael J. Fox, that type of werewolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, All I know is werewolves in my life. I, I, I will tell you this. That uh, Teen Wolf is bullshit. I'm no good at basketball. <laughs> but can you surf on top of a van, Cullen? Yeah. Well, well that's... Come that's on, just, man. He can dunk if you lower the rim. Sure. I can barely dunk I can barely dunk in a video game. Alright, that's how bad I am at basketball. Uh not Oliver Reed arrives in Paris and takes up a job at a a zoo that has wolves, but it's kinda like I don't know. It's a uh we're in the middle of the town square zoo kind of place. I didn't understand this geography. It's like it's like if a guy just said, like, ah, I got a zoo now. Like, what? Like, yeah, I caught a bunch of animals in my backyard, <laughs> and um, I got a zoo. Gotcha, yeah. Random cages, yeah. And and, and, and we need to talk about the zookeeper. Mm. <laughs> See, I thought he might be, like, the other werewolf doing stuff. <laughs> no, although I'm sure he has fleas, he is not a werewolf. He, how is it? 
that after everything he says sounds like it should be followed by like wink wink nudge nudge know what i mean know what i mean <laughs> yes. literally everything like is like oh you you're from another country are you are you goa are you are you goa like everything's ridiculous <laughs> he's his own monty python sketch right there like yeah he is and and it looks like he wakes up every morning he's like if i rolled in shit today you know what i haven't rolled in enough shit today let me just throw that over my entire body. Yeah, with Junior and Ethel. <laughs> I don't know. Our, he, our running theme would... right now is people rolling in shit. That's it is. <laughs> well, then you got to lay it on thick there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> See, this one doesn't look like fat Chris Pratt. He just he just looks diseased. Yeah. He looks like... He looks he, genuine. You know, <laughs> okay. he, he looks like... He did look period... He does, yeah, he looks like, you know, when someone like in a zombie movie is bit and there's that transition period. He's in one of those transition period For parts. Life. Oh yeah, he's just stuck in like, he's like the can third I just segment. Turn into the damn zombie. <laughs> I know I'm on dead, but let's pick a lane. <laughs> so uh, while uh, there, uh, it's while. Uh, meets some ladies and come to the zoo and takes a liking to one named Christine, who also shares the attraction. Little does it while know she and her friends are all prostitutes at the local brothel. Uh, which I love that the, the guy, the rolls and shit guy, is like, yeah, she's doing this. She's like, oh, you think she's that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> all right. She, 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 she's cleaning houses. Yes, that's what she does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how is oh, 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 oh. She cleaned my house, all right. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, just tell the guy. He's obviously an idiot. <laughs> just tell him what happens. <laughs> oh, uh, I think I've like, like, I think like even like a massive man, like, well, Lenny, this is what it means. <laughs> this guy, no, no. Wolf boy is too delicate. And I re- and this town, I mean, it's probably because of how much this movie costs. This town feels like it's only populated with like the seven characters we meet here. Oh yeah. In this movie. In Paris. They're in Paris. <laughs> yeah. And and they're in the middle of a town square. Like it's yeah. And there's no children. It's just Right, and the town's got like a lifespan of twenty more years, possibly. But uh... <laughs> the zoo, the zookeeper is only twenty three. Remember, there was some urchins. A tall scared away the kids whenever they came in. Oh, like, that's right. oh yeah, yeah, populous. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, Etoile goes to take her out one night, Christine, uh, but the brothel master sends him away, to which he goes to sneak through her window and catches her with a client, and he crashes through the window and attacks the guy and then finds out Christine's profession, and he then asks her to marry him, uh, which she rightfully rejects it, saying it won't work, and then the next night Etoile turns into a wolf and begins killing the clients as they leave the brothel. So, um, I'm just going to just ask this question. The guy, the first gentleman that we see go up to the brothel. <laughs> the boudoir, sure, sure. Um, was he a magician? Uh, he was dressed, he was dressed in a tuxedo with a top hat and a cape with a red lining. Like, like how is he not pulling rabbits out of his hat when he walked up to, like, I've, I've never seen, it makes sense, but I've never seen a magician hire a prostitute before. They have to do it because they're magicians. They're not getting it for free. I just, <laughs> I just could not believe. Like, didn't he even have like a curly mustache too? He had a, like, yeah, curly mustache. Yeah, he was so. You couldn't draw a more stereotypical magician. No, he looked like <laughs> Vincent Price from The Mad Magician. Yeah. Yes. He he had a he had a walking stick. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yes, he might have had gloves. He couldn't have been more of a magician. He just needed like a case to put the prostitute in to spin it around and then move it into parts. And then he's <laughs> exactly. like, "I'm gonna take the bottom half." Like after he gets attacked by the werewolf, you expect him to say, "Is this your card?" 
It is that spot on. And all we see with those scenes is just like bloody teeth, right? That's what we, that's that's our well visual. Well, I mean, the red comes back finally. Yeah, sure. yeah. The, the red vision and red vision. The we don't really see the werewolf. What we see is someone's. We see a furry face get thrashed around like in front. It's like he held the camera and just shoved it back and forth. <laughs> like it's like he was like fighting with the camera. Like ah, it's a don't they shoot me, you asshole? This is how you shoot a werewolf and just fired it back and forth across his face over and over again. <laughs> it's not quite SCTV with. John Candy with the uh, 3D. <laughs> yeah. But like up until, I'm going to say the third act, any werewolf attack, that's what it is. It's just teeth, blood, and just, <laughs> just someone violently shaking the camera in this guy's face. Like, like I, had this, I had to just take it on faith that I was looking at a werewolf's face at this point. You, the, the mystery is, you've seen werewolves before, but you haven't seen our werewolf. And you won't for a while. Not till he has a sad. The, the bodies of these victims come to Paul, the coroner, pathologist, played by Peter Cushing, who believes that a wolf murdered these fellas. Oh, yeah. That's very nasty. Where did this happen? At the zoo? Picked it up in the street, sir. Hmm? Told any better ball not to start looking for an escaped animal. There's a claw marks. Hmm. He decides, like every Peter Cushing character, that he needs to investigate by himself, because that's not his profession, but oh well. So he starts out going to the zoo, and Etoile shows him how gentle and kind the wolves are, so he's then like, okay... Don't know about that. And then he goes to the brothel to question there, people there, but uh, he gets turned away. And then in one of the uh, coolest moments I liked about this movie is he goes to a local photographer, which it's early photography, so you have to sit there for 15 minutes for your photo to get taken, and it's got a bit of humor, too. I think the scene's generally funny when this guy, this kind of chubby gentleman, is sitting at the end of a long dinner table, and they're just starting the picture so he can't move. And Peter Cushing comes in to like interrupt with the photographer to try to hire him for this uh, for another job, and the guy's mm-hmm. just sticking still. But then they go. Uh, what Peter Cushing wants to do is take pictures of the corpses um, to to have to show around town to show the injuries and show these dead guys so people can see what they look like, which felt like a kind of a novel idea and something you don't really. I don't really think I've seen you know showing like maybe like a historical movement of like showing the ingenuity to think of that in this time. So I thought that was, I really liked this little turn of events. Hey, uh, guys, something I may have just realized, and if you realized it earlier, forgive me for being slow. Is this, is the the photographer in this scene, the guy that played Ian in the first Peter Cushing Doctor Who movie? Um... I, you know what? Because the guy looked so familiar, and I couldn't remember why. And it's honestly not until now where I've realized I think that's who that (gasps) is. Are you right? Is he right? The actor is Roy Castle, which I believe I remember seeing his name when we were- Yep. It is is him. (laughs) He's, not only is he just credited as- Ian, you know, he's Ian in that movie. He is just credited as photographer in this. So they, so Russell, uh, whenever we do a Roy Castle movie, <laughs> uh, he doesn't have many. There's uh, only 18 performances to choose from. But I, I, I saw him and thought, why do I hate him? I don't know why I hate him. I've just met this guy. He didn't trip and fall enough. <laughs> he certainly did. He certainly was a cowardly bitch. Like Ian, I remember <laughs> it's the same there. So yeah, uh, yeah the, the Ian, the Ian of yeah, that movie was as if William Hartnell had written the script for Revenge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you folks may not know what that joke, how that joke uh, landed, why it landed so well, or why I can't explain it, but it landed very well. Is the point. <laughs> So yeah, they they take the picture of the corpses. So he gets the the gets it all developed and takes it back to the brothel master. 
and she denies having known these guys. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Bro- no, no, no. Brothel master? Call her brothel yeah, no, that's master. awesome. Can we, can we start using that instead of madam one and two? Why didn't they call themselves brothel masters? That's a badass name. Uh, madam, come on, master. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know the what's brothel- funny? I'm looking at the... Okay, so get this. The, back to um, Peter Cushing, Cushing's Ian. Um, Roy Castle's name is on the poster for this movie. And it's, he's like only in like, what, two scenes? His yeah. name is mm-hmm. photographer. He doesn't even have a name. And yep. none of the women in this movie are named on the poster. It has Peter Cushing in Legend of the Werewolf starring Ron Moody. Okay, Hugh Griffith. Okay, Roy Castle. And then this poor bastard and introducing David Rintoul, who has lines. Like, wow, photographer. Let's put your name on the poster. That's you like that's like that's like Brad Pitt, Deadpool 2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um You were talking through the plot, realized something that I, I didn't didn't put together while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. They never resolved the whole thing of Peter Cushing having some sort of backstory with his cop friend there at, at oh, yeah. the station as far as whatever the hell happened with him in the past where like, oh, don't go off and go investigating on your own. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they do. Yeah, he has a relationship with the cop in town who's there at the beginning, and, and he's kind of like, well, he wants to just, like, close the case immediately. He doesn't like the wolf idea at first. Were they, like, just trying to, like, cover up that there's a brothel in town? That's kind of what it felt like at first, and then that didn't really seem to go anywhere. It's like, oh, we can't let, and then it was like, wait. You don't want people to know that people are getting attacked by wolves? Like, what are, what's the cover-up by the police here? What is their game? Yeah. Mm. Didn't they have, like, high clientele as far as the magistrate and stuff like that going there? And maybe that's why they were trying to close it up and be hush-hush about it? I don't know. Yeah, or something I like... I guess. But, uh, the clientele always felt like they were coming from out of town to go there, and they weren't from... That's always well, what I felt like there, but that was because the town felt so hollow and just a couple people well, well yeah i mean they're all magicians so they're from <laughs> vegas right <laughs> right <laughs> seriously guys every person wore a top hat coming out of that place <laughs> ridiculous top hat and arrow collars it's, it's how they signal how they like it when they go I... the brothel. <laughs> Get the red red. Cap. I thought that the werewolf just had something against guys with top hats for a while like don't wear a top hat in paris you're gonna die Peter Cushing goes back to the brothel master and she denies knowing the guys but Christine has reactions to the photos so he pulls her aside and has a private questioning and she tells him that they were there uh, they were clients uh, but she leaves out the part of about uh, the the, the missing window in the home where uh, her boy toy jumped through the window not thinking she cleans houses um, when she only cleans pipes. But um, <laughs> the police decide to go to just go ahead and claim the wolves at the zoo guilty. Real <laughs> thorough investigation there. Like, yeah, eh, eh, wolves did it. Because as soon as Peter Cushing turns on one new idea, the gay's like, no, no, it's the wolves. Sure, we'll take that idea. Um, so they- Better than exposing all the hookers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This this brothel keeps this town alive. We have a zoo because of this place that we're going <laughs> to we kill wolves at. We only have two places of business: <laughs> that zoo and the brothel. <laughs> Everyone has to come in from out of town. We need their. Can their, you imagine a guy coming on these... from out of town mistakenly going to the zoo? It's like, what are these people into? Gross. Oh, no, these, these wolves are—they won't hurt nobody. They're real nice. Feel that. The brothel. It looks like the brothel master has rickets. I think we should leave. Do we just... Kids, just look at the women through the window. (laughs) Strange zoo. Uh, 
So, yeah, the the uh, zoo is ordered to kill the wolves, which uh, Etoile is put in charge of. <laughs> which, you know, yeah. he had a loincloth at the beginning. I think he's done it before. Well, it, like the the skeezer zoo master, but he's just like, I can't do it. Like, why? Why? What? Why does it have to be this guy that he has to do it? He, I mean, it's like, oh, you know, I love them. They're just, I've, I've raised them for so long and all that. Like, okay, how long do wolves live? Really old, and they their fangs are like all rotten out anyway. Like, they're you know kind of long, not long for the world anyway. But like, I don't know. I think poor, poor Atal put in a very precarious situation there. Well, I think that's why the zoo master doesn't want to kill him because it's too real. Like, you know what? I I relate to them. My teeth are falling out. <laughs> you know, I'm falling apart. Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing thought to take photographs of corpses for these uh, autopsies, but he didn't think to get impressions of the wolf's teeth. To match right? up. Well, he's a coroner. He's uh. No, no, fuck that guy. He should have done. Should have known better. No, no, good call, Brandon. Yeah. Christine uh, goes to visit Etoile, and during the visit, he turns, he changes into a werewolf, and runs away to the sewers. So we have our our werewolf. He, we have a transformation. What did you guys think of the werewolf transformation? Because that's a big thing with old werewolf movies. I always love watching mm-hmm. the transformations because they were elaborate effect shows. Um, some can complain that they go on forever. I think this one went pretty fast. Yeah, and they also did a fair bit of playing with the lighting to shade things so that they didn't have to make something look really elaborate where it actually played better because of the shadows, Mm -hmm. if you follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have the money to show, like, practical things changing or stretching. It's no, you know, Beast Within or... American Werewolf in London for sure, but right. But it does show that their the actual transformation. It's not just like they duck away from the camera, like I've got more hair on my face now. It's not like that. It, it actually does show that there is some kind of pain, you know, yeah. through the through the transformation, and there there would have to be when you're changing your physical form, you know, like that. So kudos to them for for doing that. It's while. Werewolf boy goes around <laughs> killing people randomly, except a person he leaves her dead, but they're they're not. And she come, she tells that coroner Paul that the creature is neither a man nor a wolf. And Paul's servant, the guy that he's got an assistant too that I've not mentioned, but he's just kind of there. But he shares with Paul a folk tale about a werewolf from back in his hometown. I uh, just happens to know that, and he questions Christine about Etoile and sets her up uh, to be in his in Etoile's room uh, if he comes back there. And then Paul and his servant then make a silver bullet. And what would he do? Fill the sewers with police, hound the thing to destruction, probably. And then what would we learn? Nothing. It's all in here: the precautions to be taken, the risks to be run. Sir, you are going alone. And you will follow what the book says carefully, sir. And you know we must have a silver bullet, don't you, sir? I have some silver candlesticks at home. Which is a cool, I kind of like that scene. It kind of feels like the uh, you, you look at it and go, man, it'd be cool if Sam Raimi directed that scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I do like how they immediately know, like, oh, we got to get the silver bullet. Like, they immediately know. There's, like, zero research. Like, we know what to do. Let's just do it we already. We only have the time and resources for one, uh, but that's all we need. Yeah. Close range. And, and, guys, that that's something that I actually was hoping we would get to and point out is that until the Wolfman with Lon Chaney, like, silver wasn't something that mm-hmm. would werewolves. It's actually borrowed from vampires. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's. I love the history of uh, quote unquote rules with the monsters that uh, where they pick up, when they come in, um, who trades off with who, and yeah, that's yeah, mm-hmm. werewolves, yeah, silver. Like vampire was just like you wear like a silver medal around you, right? Now it wasn't like a bullet, um, and because yeah, where you know vampires turn into wolves uh, was one of their things. They kind of went away from that. 
all the way back to Bram Stoker there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love, like, the one thing I, you know, I love the myth, of, you know, like, asking him to do a Frankenstein's monster impression, and they put their arms out and walk around, and that's actually <laughs> from Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, because he's blind. And, I, and I'm sure you guys have all heard that there, that Lugosi actually did have lines. The previous movie, they had put Igor's brain into the, the creature, and so he was supposed to come back in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, where he actually was articulate and could be a little bit more scheming uh, with the Igor brain in. Uh, but then the test didn't go so favorably in the previews, so they ended up uh, actually taking out all of the dialogue that Lugosi had as the creature. And there's even some scenes in there where you can see his mouth moving, but the creature doesn't say anything because mm-hmm. they didn't reshoot everything. Yeah. That's one of my top, uh, like if, if someone can find an original work print or director's director's cut of a film of all time that I would love to see uh, with, with, and I understand, I get why people that, especially if they didn't see the previous movie and they come back and the monsters like talking like Igor, I, I can imagine mm. why they would do that. But I would love to see the original cut of that movie. That's like a top, like if I had to list out like top ten films, that'd be that'd be in there of cuts. Dude, that, that would be awesome. But that's probably been destroyed long ago, especially when Universal had that big fire too. That was <laughs> if mm. it was if it was anywhere. Probably was in there, or probably got junked back in uh, the 1940s. So, well, in the original Universal films, up until the the recent restorations on them, they were in really bad shape because, yeah. like, they just run those things to death and made so many duplicates of them mm-hmm. that I don't even think, if memory serves, the negatives still survive anymore. Yeah, because I mean, they were running like when Son of Frankenstein came out, there was a resurgence and they started running them all again, like double features, same like, yeah, it's but they look beautiful now. Um, So they're done. But yeah, those are those are cool ones. And then the the vampire being uh, having to ask permission to come in. That's a that's another one that come for a long time. Mm -hmm. Can we can we just agree on one thing that. a vampire not being able to cross running water. That's bullshit. That's dumb. <laughs> well, and then there's the crosses too, because if you, if you walk by in life, there's a lot of things that come to that nice tea. Um, <laughs> well, that's a little bit different because that, I mean, as long as someone's wielding it and like, there can be like a blessed cross. Yeah. Like, like how they, you know, the, the real thing I can think about, like, first seeing that was in Fright Night. Like, I'm sure, like, they were doing it before, but this, the talk of faith associated with the symbol. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, that's fine, but just having a cross just, like, hanging out, like, no, that is bullshit. You're right. That, that is crap. <laughs> like, you can't watch, like, 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 God forbid you watch a Telly Savalas movie, like, oh, his name starts with a T, I can't take it. Gah! No. <laughs> gotcha. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, after making the silver bullet, uh, Paul goes to the sewers to confront Etoile. Uh, they begin a timid conversation, uh, to which uh, Paul ends up showing he doesn't mean him harm, puts his gun down, and Etoile starts to reason with him, but as he's coming up close to Paul, the police asshole storm in and open fire on uh, Twal, and he escapes to the zoo. As Paul gives chase through the sewers, um, the cops then pick up the uh, revolver that Paul had dropped on the ground. Uh, Christine gets frightened at the sight of a twall. The police guy then catches up to everyone and has Paul's gun and shoots and kills a twall, and he transforms back to his normal self, and he's sad. And then... Uh, and then uh oh brandon is like and i don't think i've seen another werewolf film that's done this the werewolf during that that sequence they actually have him speak and have some lines yeah i'll throw my gun away i know i can trust you help me Please. Yeah. 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 He he actually he's able to talk a bit. Like it looks like he's struggling, 
And it, it feels like it, he's struggling between like his wolf self and his human self, which is cool. That no matter, he's in a wolf form speaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had some lines with Peter Cushing and stuff, too, in the sewer. What what I love is that when I love, when I say love, I mean can't believe. But Peter Cushing's like, oh, yeah, I earned your trust to put the gun down. Like, in the wolf, the werewolf, like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then he immediately ta- attacks him. Like, what? Go to hell, dude. He's on your side. And then, like, he gets, like, shot. And, like, you know what? Good. Fuck that guy. What a jerk. I just regret they didn't have mortar bullets this year. What a backstabbing little jerk. <laughs> the only person on his side is like, look, I don't want to shoot you, but you understand you're a werewolf. I, I'd i be stupid not to bring silver with me, right? So I'm just going to put it down. Oh, I'm being attacked. Uh, I'm being attacked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's how it ends. We get a nice freeze frame on a reflection in a window as the credits roll. And the the werewolf is gone from here. Hopefully, the wolves in the in the woods can find a new baby to raise and make a werewolf. As long as he's born on Christmas, <laughs> and this could happen again. But um, this is a uh, a werewolf in Paris. Oh my God, it is American <laughs> werewolf in Paris. Woo! That would have been the best. <laughs> it, well, this would be a Russian werewolf in Paris, right? Right, 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 right. We're keeping topical, but yeah. So uh, that's that's the film. It is a it is a it's not lost. I mean, you can just type it into any video streaming YouTube Daily Motion and and pull it up and watch it. But it only has a VHS source currently. It's never been released past VHS. There's a the DVD uh, right wrestle from Cheesy Video, which is just a rip of the, the VHS. VHS. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the print is lost or nobody knows where it is or there's a rights holder that is just holding. But it's a it's kind of a, a, a very, very cult item to have on the show, to which I'd never seen it before uh, this. So when you brought it up, I was like, ooh, and I do like werewolves. Yeah, when I saw werewolf in the title, it's like, okay, we got a winner. This will be appropriate for the show no matter what it is. <laughs> Yeah, we're kicking off kicking off October with a classic monster too. So that's that's pretty cool. Doing our job for us, Russell. Thanks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, tis the season, guys. Tis the- yes. <laughs> Another factual thing is like, again, like the whole like werewolves and full moon. That again is a whole movie thing. That prior to the films, that was something in mythology they could change at any point. Mm-hmm. depending on what myth and what country you're looking at. See, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting topic of that stuff that gets glossed over. Like when people talk about like their franchises, their properties, characters like that, that they, they can't, they get so conservative about things. Don't let changes happen or evolutions. And like these have been happening. Things you know about literary characters or film characters have been like going through these evolutions and changes and, without people pitching fits like this uh like they do nowadays when like there's just the slightest change or growth or something like that and like you mentioned there's all these been all these werewolf rule changes vampire rule changes nobody's getting mad and most people just accept them what they were but like the way you act nowadays with things what a full moon bullshit ah, i'm going to get mad on the internet things happen it's it's just crazy that people don't like let it happen. I know there's always going to be the stickler, the purist and stuff, but the, the, the amount of anger something causes nowadays is insane. When people used to be a bit more, I feel like, open to new interpretations, and it's it's fiction to begin with, right? I don't think we've talked about this outside of, outside of here, Brandon, but one mm-hmm. thing that always, like, I'm like, well, you do realize it's an adaptation, whether you're talking about from the book or into a film or what have you. My mm-hmm. point is that what people don't think about a lot of the time is that that particular art form has its own set of rules. And to be able to tell a story properly in that format, you can't have everything in there that you have in a book. Or there are things sometimes that are in the film that just don't translate well into a novel. Correct. Yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. a big stickler of adaptation, and I, I really enjoy, as long as you keep the general theme and feel or something of a book, 
uh, and don't go like way too. Far. I mean, sometimes you can go way too mm-hmm. far away and do better. Um, that ha- does happen, but um, it's some things. Yeah, some things are unfilmable. They don't work on film like they do on paper. Paper has no budget. Like you can do crazy stuff, mm-hmm. and also you can find a new avenue through your own interpretation. Like I like seeing a filmmaker maker put their personal stamp in their own direction on things. Cause it makes it interesting to see others like doing the same thing and what they bring to it. Like I, like I've said before, like one of my key things I love about the early eighties slasher wave is, is an interesting angle. I take when I look at a lot of them that interests me is like, what did this guy, this guy saw Halloween and he took what from it and thought that was the important thing to go with. Or he thought this like, and it's some think it's the music, some think it's this, something, and it's 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 pretty fascinating to watch because you're seeing people's minds trying to craft stories through the, and you know where their inspiration's coming from, and it it's really fascinating to me. And like also with like a werewolf things like that, you know, it's funny. Like you'll see, they're like, oh, they're uh, making a they're making a new like Halloween or they're making a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and people are like, oh. Let it die already. I'm like, do you ever see them announce a Dracula movie and people are like, let it die already. <laughs> right? You never get that reaction. What a and that, he, it's done. He's been, he's been getting made like since the, the 20s. Yeah. And, and it, like uh, countless times, but you never see someone like, and it a lot of times is the same tale. And yeah. with fascinating uh, interpretations like I love, like I like watching the John Battam one. I like watching the uh, Warner Herzog. I like the Coppola. I like watching. I love seeing the different takes because it all feels like a different movie, but it's coming off the same story and it's fascinating. But I, I never see people like these are characters. These are icons. Like these are like like the Jasons, the Freddies. Those are the new Draculas and stuff like that. You just they're they're folklore now. They're you know they don't have to have knit tight continuity or anything like that just give me a fun campfire tale with one of them that's what we can do it's like a werewolf like but there's never been werewolves are just like a werewolf there's never i mean there's a definitive wolf man we know of but there's he never gets used like that again and there's joe dante's film but all right guys we've we've seen jason in space and we've seen jackula in space Mm mm-hmm I think we need to see a werewolf in space because there's always a full moon. Hello. Well, in 2012, there was a movie called Space Werewolf. (laughs) And I'm looking at a poster right now for a movie called Werewolves vs. Space. And Doctor Who has a a, a werewolf in space with the whole thing as far as uh, the seventh Doctor and greatest show in the galaxy. Oh, yeah. And like, there's a whole net, like we've with Big Finish, they've actually just revived that character and done. Uh, I think it's four stories with her and the Seventh Doctor as a companion, as far as having her as a companion. Wow. Yeah. So a werewolf as a companion in space. That's cool. But <laughs> here, here better on, than Mel. Yeah, better than Mel. Here on TV, we just like them from Earth. <laughs> all the time hmm. like new well new who has had non-earth but basically. yeah the werewolf from the david Tennant. oh yeah there's tooth and uh tooth and claw and i meant as a companion yeah yeah, yeah fair well, capaldi that was about because everyone else well, what right oh i can't it's think Nardle. of that yeah that's Nardle. Nardle, yeah yeah and he was only like a part-time companion at least on the show anyway yeah 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 hey another flick for you guys to check out that kind of like reinvents itself and does like a twist on dracula that i just stumbled on is uh dracula dead and loving it (laughs) (laughs) leslie nielsen uh you did a horror movie (laughs) curse of the undead it's a western vampire oh. movie and it's basically dracula except for in the old west oh and it's not dracula versus billy the kid <laughs> I was gonna no, say, yeah. no, no and it was it was actually done by universal international i think 1959 but like they've never 
really released it as far as on home video. Is, is there a Carradine in it? And it's it's literally beat for beat. It's Dracula, but mm-hmm. it's set in the old west, and the vampire's a gunslinger. And see, hmm. I love that. See, like I like fistful of dollars. You know, it's Yojimbo, but in the old west, yeah. like so much. I I think adaptation and stuff is a fun fun concept that can be taken in and putting a voice to it or putting a spin. I definitely a fan of that. See, if if I were to do it, it would be Dracula meets Breakin. Mm. I could take that. Ozone. Ozone be Harker and then Turbo be yeah. Renfield. <laughs> the only way that Dracula can be defeated is with a killer like routine. He brings the break dance to town. That's what cuz all of a sudden he bites people and they can break dance. And they're like, what is this? He come Oh my god. <sighs> Dracula Dracula's coffin is made of cardboard, and then it just folds out, yes. and then he just yes, just does it Roll right there. Out of movie, and we get and ice the, tea, call in, it. In the revival of the '80s right now. You totally can sell that. Oh gosh! All right, Brandon, let's get to work. After we finish, <laughs> after we finish, Butchula. <laughs> Forget about Butchula. Yep. You know what she does? Yes, she told me. When you don't mind. Why should I mind? She's a servant, same as me. That's what she told you. Yes, she does housework. Housework. <laughs> housework. Well, good luck. That's all I can say. Housework, baby. <laughs> housework. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means stay with the circus trio. You're not interested in any werewolves or anything like that. Uh, Legend of Werewolves is not for you. Converted, which means eh, take a trip to the brothel. Take your chances. Maybe meet a magician. See a tr- <laughs> But either way, you're going to get a trick. And... Drink the Kool-Aid, which means you're all in, down with the werewolfism. You can uh, bark at the moon, and you love Legend of the Werewolf. So, Russell, how do you rate Legend of the Werewolf? I think I'll go with Converted. I don't think that I would go hardcore on this one because, like, it's still got a lot of flaws. But it's still it's a, a decent little werewolf film. I got to mention this real quick. The Spanish DVD that I told you about that is the only other DVD that I've seen of this, they literally stole the uh, Wolfman movie, the remake that they did a few years back, and they used that image as far as for the head. Oh, my God. Oh, the classic 80s, nothing in this movie looks like this. Yeah. Egregious. Wow. All right, Colin. The uh, the wolf the uh, I was gonna say the Wolverine, the werewolf in this movie looks like old man Wolverine at times. <laughs> it's not a negative thing; it's just a thing I noticed. So there's nothing like uh, in this movie that's super scary, but uh, that's not what you're looking for with these things. You're just looking for like a spooky thing anyway. Uh, it, uh, the parts where Peter Cushing is investigating just drag so much for me. <laughs> Like, like I had to get up and like like I gotta, I gotta walk around. Man, nothing's happening in this movie. Like you know, like I maybe mm-hmm. I'm just spoiled by modern movies where like, oh they need to do this and then we just kind of see it happening. Like it's not like all right, these are the three steps I need to do in order to do this, and we kind of see that in this, and it just it drags the movie down. Um, uh, I I think it's really cool what they did with the werewolf, like having it speak. Like that part is like, whoa, what? And then I guess he just immediately shit, shits it immediately by attacking Peter Cushing. But um, I uh, I think I stay with my family on on this one. It's not bad, but it's not really like I don't see myself watching it again or really recommending it to anyone. To be honest with you, um, like Brandon, how do you rate Legend of the Werewolf? I'll give the movie this. It's pretty lean. I mean, it it just there's not a lot of fat to it. It's a straight story. It kind of I was I was kind of wondering where it was going for a bit because the it's got an intro upon an intro, and then we're reintroduced to things for a third time as we get to the to Paris. 
Um, I wanted more of the werewolf. I felt like they shouldn't have been so afraid to show him, but I, I get the era that it was probably like, hey, you don't know what our werewolf looks like. I did my, my thing, the key to this movie I liked was just watching Peter Cushing do his thing because I can, he's one of my favorite actors and I can just, I can watch him solve mysteries in any genre, what he's doing. And he's just a consummate pro. He's great in like everything he does. And this is like a classic riff on, you know, his type that he played a lot in the Hammer and Amicus films. Um, it's almost like, I mean, it's almost like you could put any of the character names on him and like this is a, this is, you know, like almost like a Dr. Frankenstein mixed with Dr. Van Helsing, uh, kind of. I'm going to give it a, a very light converted for those curious uh, and into this sort of thing. Though, like, if you're just the general person not sure, I would, I'd probably say proceed with caution, but it's a free watch on uh, YouTube or Daily Motion if you want, so... You know, you can stop at any time or anything. But I, I did like it was lean, uh, moved a bit, had some fun to it. I had a blast talking about it. Like, this is a really fun movie. I, I was surprised because um, I was like, man, this movie's really kind of quick, but we had plenty to talk about. We had some good mm-hmm. jokes about it. I really had a blast talking about it. But I'm going to go very lightly converted for those who are probably haven't heard of this and are into, like, the Hammer and Amicus stuff because I think you would get a kick out of it. It's late at night. You're safe and warm in bed. You're watching TV. You're alone. You hear a strange noise. The cat, the dog, the wind. How do you know it's not a werewolf? On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing 1982's epic classic slasher film, pieces this episode will be exactly what you think it is and joining us for discussion will be katie Wright from the av club returning to us after uh having so much fun with robo vampires so we look forward to that and of course i want to thank uh russell mcgee once again for joining us it's been too long and hopefully hopefully we don't make it so long again before that but we appreciate you coming on and uh where can we find everything you're been working on currently working on Best place is obviously with the Big Finish Doctor Who stuff, just bigfinish.com. You can also check out Indiana Public Media or uh, on YouTube, The Friday Zone. Oh, this is something else we didn't cover. I actually was nominated for two Emmys with the children's show that I produced for the w- for WTIU as part of The Friday Zone, Peggy's Poetry and Zark, which is about a little girl puppet and her imaginary friend monster in the closet. And she teaches Zarg about poetry all the time. And so it's kind of like Looney Tunes in that it teaches kids about uh, classic poetry, the way Looney Tunes used to teach us about classical music. And it's kind of got like a Calvin Hobbes type of feel to it. So those are some things you can check out if anybody's interested. And Brandon and Colin, thank you very much. It's always fun. Guys, definitely stay in touch, and thanks for having me on. All right, well, we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned to the trailer, to Pieces, the trailer that actually trails. Warning, what you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. 
The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. What they had the magistrate, uh, and my cat just knocked over the ad at. Oh no! Looks like you got an outdoor cat now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that crash was, guys.